Well, good morning, Bay Life, and a happy Independence Day to each one present. I am so grateful to be uh, able to say that I'm from a country where we are given the freedom to worship our God how we want, and uh, we should all be thankful for that as we celebrate today. I'm not here. I'm uh, coming to you on the screen because I'm hanging out with Eleanor on a vacation that we've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, but in my stead, we are very blessed uh, to have a, an excellent preacher coming. Uh, he's one of us. His name's Jerry Carpenter. Went to the same seminary as me in Dallas, uh, but he serves here in many capacities. He and his wife, Georgianne, their sons, uh, just a part of the Baylife family. And it is my pleasure uh, to introduce him today. Everybody give a nice warm Bay Life welcome to my friend Jerry Carpenter. Go Bolts. Yeah. Am I on? Am I on? Is it on? No? Happy Independence Day. Yeah. yeah. Free fireworks in the lobby. No, I'm just kidding. I said that to Tom in the first service. He was like, that's not going to happen. Um, before we start, I would like to recognize and honor, if you have served in our military, would you please stand so we can honor you? Thank you. Well, it's good to be back. Car show, Kittapalooza, mission trips, right? Isn't that great? Eight people put their faith in Christ. Eight people this past week. So let me pray and we're going to get going. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for uh, Darnisha and the worship team. Thank you for all the people that make Sunday morning work. Um, we are so spoiled. We come here and Everything's just nice and ready to go. And, um, and so I pray this morning that you would uh, push me aside and speak through me. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your son and what he did for us. He did what only he could do, live a perfect life and die for us. Pray for this time this morning, Lord. I ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, if you've been here, we've been going through the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John was the fourth gospel, the last one written. Duh. You're like, well, we already knew that. He wrote it about 50 to 60 years after the resurrection. So John had quite a bit of time to think about this. And, and in his book, he's going to be very specific about the things he records and writes. Um, he calls them signs that Jesus does, not miracles. Um, you're not going to find parables. You're not going to find the Sermon on the Mount because... That was covered in the first three Gospels. So now John's very unique. Um, and he, he doesn't point any punches. We would say he puts all of his cards out on the table. Right there in chapter one, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. The Word was with God. And he was in the beginning with God, meaning Jesus is God. He, he doesn't beat around the bush. He comes right out and says, Jesus is God. And then he says, in him was life. And not just like life, but real life. And so we find out that John tells us what's the purpose of writing this gospel. If you'll put up that scripture, please. Here's why John wrote it. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's more. But these are written so that you may what? May what? 
believe, remember that, okay, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, life in his name. So that's really where John's going. That's the purpose of his gospel. And so we're going to see, and we've already gone through a few of the chapters. You see some of the, uh, uh, the signs that, that Jesus has already performed. But also in this first chapter, it tells us right there in verse 10, it says, he was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not what? So he came to the Jews, and they said what? No thanks. Well, to kind of understand, why did they say no? Well, we're going to do a little flashback. I'll get my props. So at the beginning of the gospel, John kind of references Genesis when he says in the beginning. So when we go back to the beginning, God creates and in that creation everything's perfect. And then we have Genesis 3, right? Adam and Eve do what? Thanks but no thanks. Sin enters into humanity. God moves even though it's his word, his spirit. He calls a guy named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, come over here. He goes, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land and you're going to have a lot of babies. All right? At the time, he didn't have any children. And so, but he made a promise that you were going to have an heir. I can just picture, because they're old. Abraham and Sarah are old. I can just picture Sarah, you know, maybe with a walker or a cane coming into the tent and saying, Abraham, I'm late. (laughs) You're always late, Sarah. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. So they were going to have a baby. And this baby's name was Isaac. And Isaac means laughter, which is hilarious for an old couple to have a baby, isn't it? Yeah, TJ, yeah, TJ's like, kind of, yeah. So Isaac, yeah. So then Isaac, he has twins, right? Esau and Jacob, okay? And then Jacob has, what, 12 sons? And then one of the sons is not a big hit, and they sell him into slavery. Are you with me, Joseph? They end up down in Egypt, they're in slavery, and then God raises up this guy named Moses. And then Moses goes back to Pharaoh, and he performs, there's 10 plagues, and that 10th plague is what? What they call Passover. They take the lamb, the blood, put it on the door. That's that gnash, that's that deliverance. So God brings them out of Egypt, right? Red Sea, and they're eventually going to be, um, come into the land in the book of Joshua. So God redeems these people and he says, you're going to be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, you're going to be my physical representative on the earth. So when people look at you, who are they going to see? Me. Okay. Well, you probably know this verse. It's from Deuteronomy. And it says what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your soul and with all your might. So God says, I've redeemed you. And how close are you supposed to be with God? Pretty close, right? So to illustrate this, if I have my prophet come up. So what happens, if you know the rest of the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to stay right here with God. But they didn't. Here's what happened. Prone to wander. You heard that song before? Okay. So they turned their back on God and walked away and pretty much engaged in idolatry for most of the Old Testament. And because they were here at a heart's level from God in idolatry, which by the way, what's what's the first commandment of 10? 
What's the first? You shall have no other gods before me, right? So they're in this idolatry. God calls these prophets and the prophets show up and they have a message of what? Hey, what are you doing? You're too far. Get off the shed, right? The shed of sin, man. Remember God? Remember Exodus? Remember the frogs? You don't think he's going to do that again, huh? Ha! But what's he do? He's got to send a guy like me. I've already worked on my beard, man, the prophet beard, all right? You're going way too far, man. You're, you're going to have to repent. Remember Moses? Remember he got you out of all that? Remember when he broke the, the, the Ten Commandments? I can, I, I can do that. I've been doing push-ups, okay? So come back. You're forgetting this guy because I'm this guy. So, the prophet would show up and would basically call out the people's sin. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think the people's response was? Do you think the people's response was, thank you for showing up. You know what? I was getting sick of these idols. I was getting bored. I'm so glad you just called me out. You're right. I need to repent. What do you think the response was? Yep, he got some people like, it was, you know what, you just need to get out of here. We don't need to hear that here. Because they inherited this heart from Adam, it's this sinful heart, and God had told them, you need to stay close, but they didn't. And so for the majority of the Old Testament, if you had two buckets, faithful and unfaithful, they fell into that unfaithful bucket way more than they did faithful. So this is where Israel was for the majority of the Old Testament. So when you flip the page and you get to the New Testament, an angel comes to Zechariah in the temple and says, you're going to give birth, which that's another old couple that has a baby, right? So, and you're going to name him John. This guy, John, is going to go before the Messiah. So let me ask a question. How many of you are watching The Chosen? You guys watching The Chosen? <laughs> Peter calls John Creepy John. Creepy John. Why does he call him Creepy John? Well, John the Baptist is a Nazarite, which means he doesn't touch strong drink and he doesn't touch his hair. So John's probably got hair down to his knees. He's wearing a dead camel skin with a leather belt and he's eating locusts, all right? Which means he can probably, he would probably win Survivor. Right? I mean, the guy's made for it. So John the Baptist shows up as the forerunner now to introduce the Messiah. And once again, Israel is in the same position they were in the Old Testament. Now, who's in power? Israel's not in power. They're not free. Rome's in power. Rome's over the Jews. And not only that, but at a heart's level, the Pharisees are saying, you know what? You just got to be good enough. We got to be moral enough. Where the problem is, is you can't. And so Israel, again, at a heart's level, is distant from God with their back turned. And John the Baptist shows up. And what's his message? Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know I'm creepy. You would be too if you're wearing camel and eating bugs, all right? I'm sick of it. Actually, sometimes it's good. You know what's not good? Your attitudes. Also, this guy's coming. Better yet, he's here. Repent. You know why? Because the kingdom of God's at hand. Yeah, I know I look like a homeless guy. I know. I smell. I get it. But I can't tell you strong enough it's time to come back we'll be baptizing it's gonna be weird but it's gonna be great 
It's happening. You know why? Because I'm this guy. Yay, come on. So, so John the Baptist shows up with the same message. You're far from God. You need to repent. And what do you think their response was? John, thank you so much because, yes, you are creepy. Yes, we need to repent. But nationally, you know what they did? No thanks. So if Israel's heart was here, and then when John the Baptist was here, guess what the response is going to be when Jesus? Are you, are you picking that up? So, and here's the thing. At Bay Life, obviously we have the roses. Our thing is, is that we want you to not only know about Jesus, but we want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so, but here's the thing. We also have that same heart within our chest. So often, Mark tells us to stay here, but what do we do? We tend to wander, right? And then Mark shows up every Sunday. <laughs> oh, hold on. <sighs> What's up, fam? Okay. What's up, fam? Love you. Love you guys. What are we doing here? Huh? Come on, Bay Life Church. <laughs> I mean, we are, I mean, we are, uh, we're getting far away a little bit. You want to, you want to, you want to take all this stuff and what are you doing here? You're just going to leave it on before God. Here, you can have this. You can have this. I'm keeping this. You can, I'm keeping this. You can have this. I'm keeping this. Hey, you're far. You're way over here. You're, let me illustrate that. Here's God. You're right here. We got to get back to Jesus. Let's go back, back here. Because I'm this guy. Uh. I think we just got fired. They could look at they're like. So, so we come here every week. And yeah, that's fine. But Mark reminds us that we need to stay here. But yet, he says, what? Let me yell at you. So we get here and he says, come back. It's that, it's that same message. So in John's gospel, yes, creepy John starts his ministry, has his disciples. Um, and then Jesus takes some of his disciples and so he takes his disciples on their first day of work and they go to Cana to a wedding. You guys heard of that story? So he shows up. Now, weddings would have last, lasted seven days. Not, not the wedding, you know, not the actual wedding, but the celebration, seven days long. So he shows up and somehow the other gospels don't tell us this, but somehow Mary's in charge of refreshments. And so she comes to Jesus and tells him what? We're out of wine. And he's like, you know, you, you would have thought they would have planned better. She's like, yeah, I know, but some guy showed up with 12 uninvited guests and they drank all the wine. <laughs> so Jesus says, well, it's not really my time, but let me see if I can do something. And so if you remember the story, he takes those six water pots, the jars they would have used to wash their hands, purification. He says, fill them up with water. So they fill them up with water and he says, take it to the head waiter. They take it to him and they say, Stop the band. 
And he gets up and he says, you know what? They always give the good wine first. And then when everybody's drunk freely, which means you're feeling pretty good, they give you the wine in the box. Right? The lousy wine. He goes, but you've saved the best till last. He goes, God bless you. Now, why I asked if you've seen The Chosen, because I love that because it gives such good character development. Because these are 12 dudes, the disciples, okay? We've, I know we think of them highly, but they're, they're just 12 guys. And I'm wondering at that moment, if they're thinking, okay, we're coming to, we're going to parties with a guy who can make wine? I mean, they're probably like, I think we've got the right rabbi. I mean, I think we, I'm thinking we picked the right one. Because if this is what, you know, I, we're, this is a great gig. But that's going to change because they leave Canaan and they go to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the Passover, if you remember, was celebrating and remembering that national deliverance of God bringing them out of Egypt. So the Temple Mount had been expanded. So now it's, it's huge. And people are coming from all over and they're buying their animals. It's like a giant flea market, okay? And they're paying stadium prices, right? Have you been to a buck game or right, right, right? I just wanted a bag of chips. That's $20 cereal. I'm like, really? So they're paying these absorbent prices. So Jesus is walking through the temple. And what does he do? He starts making that cord. And he ends up driving the money changers out because he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. And the people go, on whose authority are you doing this? He goes, you tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. Now they're thinking he's talking about the temple behind him, but what was he talking about? He's talking about his body. And the Pharisees were watching him. And one guy was watching, couldn't quite figure him out. The guy's name was Nicodemus. And so he comes to Jesus at night and he's like, you know, we've been watching you. You know, you're, you're doing some pretty impressive things. And Jesus is like, well, what do you want? Do you, do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, Nick? Well, if you do, guess what? You got to be born again. And so what does Nicodemus do? So, okay, so I have, I have to climb back in my mother's womb? <sighs> no, Nick. You have to be, it's a new birth. What's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit is spirit. You have to have a new birth. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying? No idea. Okay, Nicodemus, do you, do you realize the number of things that I could reveal to you that would blow your mind if you just got this. He's like, let me just, I'll make this simple. He goes, God, God loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what's that word? Believes shall not perish but have what? Eternal life, this life. And so then he tells Nick, my father didn't send me into this world to condemn it but to rescue it. And so then it says, after this encounter with Nicodemus, he goes to Judea and they're baptizing. And then they end up going through Samaria. So the, the Mark map, right? When you did the Mark map, you know, when you're down here and you, usually they would bypass Samaria because did the Jews and Samaritans get along? Do you know anything about that? They did not like each other at all. And so Jesus, they passed through Samaria 
And he comes to that well and sits down at noon. And who comes out? Sam. I call her Sam. Sam comes out trying to avoid all the people. And she comes to the well and Jesus says, can you give me a drink? You're a Jew. I'm a thirsty Jew. I'd like a drink. If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would know that I've got living water. I got special water. It's magic water. You don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get that water? This water that I can give you, this living water, you'll never be thirsty again. He's not talking about the physical. He's talking about the spiritual. Okay, I'll take some of that magic water, that special water you got. Okay, go get your husband. I got two cups. And what does she say? Uh, yeah, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, and the guy that you're living with right now is not your husband. And she says what? I think you're a prophet. So they start talking about spiritual things. Well, the Samaritans say we're going to worship here at Mount Gerizim. The Jews say that the Messiah is from the, and your guys, and he's like, it, that's not going to matter because you're going to worship in spirit and truth. And so she says, you know what? Whatever. When the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all about it. And what does Jesus do? Sam, it's me. That's me. And what does she do? She drops her water pot and what? Heads back into town and starts doing what? Telling everyone, you guys got to come. Hey, you got to come hear this guy. He knows everything. Is he the Christ? Is, it, is that him? So it says, if you were here last week, Mark talked about the guys went and got what? Jersey mics, right? He ran into town to get some Jersey mics. So they go in to get some subs. And so as these Samaritans are coming out, the disciples are coming. And Jesus goes, guys, look at this. The field is white with harvest. Look, Samaritans, they're coming out. And the disciples are like, what's he talking about? Hey, get, get him a sub. Thomas put the sub down. That's not what I'm talking about. Look. These Samaritans come out and it says they believed because of her testimony. Remember the story? But then when they came out, they said it's not only just because of her testimony that now we have seen and heard for ourselves and we believe that you're what? The savior of the world. Now, remind me again, these are the first people to believe. Who are they? And do they get along? So he's in enemy territory, isn't he? Right? So they leave from there, and now they're headed back to Cana, okay? And I'm wondering if the disciples are thinking we're going to another party, you know? We really like Cana. So, so they're headed back to Cana, and so... People who were there during the Passover, it says that some of the Jews that were there had come to Cana. They had seen these signs that Jesus were doing. And so they're really looking for a show, okay? Did you see him when he turned that water? I mean, that, it's like David Copperfield. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. 
And so the people weren't so much concerned about Jesus himself as they were a good show. And so it reminded me, in our house, our kids, when they were younger, we had this thing where I figured it out pretty quick, but for you dads, they would call me at work and they would say, hey, are you coming home? And you're like, wow, that's, you can't wait for me to get home. It's nice. And then when I get home, they say, do you have your wallet? And as for them, being little, that means we want to go get ice cream or go play. What's the point? Weren't so much interested in dad at the time, but they wanted what? You wanted your money, yeah. And so for Jesus, they're like, we want some signs. And so he's there, and he's, he's pretty much admonishing him. He's like, you guys won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And while he's talking, there's a Gentile royal official from Capernaum. Now, again, if I'm using, using the mark map, Capernaum is north of the Sea of Galilee to Cana. It's about 20 miles. He walked 20 miles to Cana to ask Jesus to come heal his son. So it says his son was at the point of death. And he comes up to Jesus and he goes, can you come heal my son? Now, the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't go to Capernaum. He just tells him, actually, if you put it up, Jesus said to him, um, go, your son will live. And the man what? Believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Crazy thing about this is this guy's a Gentile. He doesn't have this history. When we did, we did the walkthrough, okay, he doesn't have that. And there's another story in Matthew chapter 8 that's very similar where the Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, can you come heal my servant? And he goes, sure, I'll come to your house. And he goes, you don't have to come into my house because I'm a man under authority, meaning I'm a soldier. And when I tell people to do things, they do it, don't they? He goes, so all you have to do is speak the word and I know it's going to happen. And he's like, did you guys just hear that? And look what this says. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke. And it says what? As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. Keep going. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him, which was one o'clock. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live, and he himself, what? And all his household. So John's point is, Jesus is gonna do these signs and miracles so that the ultimate result will be the people will what? Believe. And so here's a question. When Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus and with Sam and he talks to them about this new birth, this new life, do you think it's optional? When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he's like, you know what, this new birth, it's optional. You know what, if you don't, it's not. It's essential, isn't it? And see, this message hasn't changed, has it? Shouldn't, and that's where People like Mark, Travis, we come up and we say, if, if we ever abandon this or this, we're in trouble. Because all you have to do is look at like Acts 2 or even like 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he says, I deliver to you what is of first importance in what I received, which is Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then it says, and he was buried and raised three days later according to the what? Scriptures. 
that message hasn't changed. Well, why would he have to die for our sins? Because we're sinful. See, when we go back to the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, that brought sin into the world. And so here's the thing. Are you perfect? If you think you're perfect, just ask your spouse, right? That'll be a real quick answer, won't it? And what I mean is that we always find people to compare ourselves to, but when we compare ourselves to God and his standard, God says you got to be perfect. So when you just look at his character, he says, don't lie. Have you ever told a lie? Well, you're a liar. Have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Then you're a thief. And you can see that pattern. We're in trouble. So that's the bad part. The good part is that God came, he sent his son to do what only he could do. What's that? He lived the perfect life. He went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, God poured out all of his wrath and judgment on Jesus. He took it all. And when he was raised three days later, that sacrifice that he gave, God accepted and said, paid in full. So now, here's what Jesus is going to say. He's going to go on to say, look, truly, truly, which means pay attention, okay? He says, truly, truly, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, that life. He doesn't come into judgment, passes out of death into life. So here's the thing. Jesus says we're physically alive, but to Nick and to Sam, he says you're, you're spiritually dead. And you need to ask me for that spiritual life. Now, Nick doesn't get it off the bat. But the Sam, she gets it. And so this is, this is the question for us is that many of us have said yes to Jesus and we have that life. And some of us may not have here in the room or online. And maybe you're like the people 2,000 years ago. You're just like, you know what? I wish Jesus would give me a sign. Any sign. Any sign will do. And so today, just like 2,000 years ago, this message that still comes to us is that God's grace is greater than our sin, isn't it? And this offer of life is still made, isn't it? And for us who have received it, and for us who might have not grown up in the church, we understand what it means to go from death to life, don't we? So today, I wanna pray with you if you've never if you've never made that decision, um, I want to do that. And it, is it simple? We did this with our kids' ministry. And when we did this and talked, the kids, there's no filter on them. You know that, right? Kids just, and I said, what, what do you do when someone gives you or offers you a gift? A little boy goes, you take it and you say thank you. Just take it. And so God's offering that gift, isn't he? So we have that choice. Jesus has come to give us life because here's what he's saying to Sam and Nick. You're never going to find the meaning to life and life, it's in me. You want life? All you gotta do is ask. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what your son did on the cross. He came and paid a debt that I could never pay. None of us can. So we are grateful for that. That payment, it's paid in full. Your word tells us that when we turn from our sin and we ask you to forgive us every single time you do, because that's, just as we sang the song, that's how good you are. You are good. 
So this morning, whether if it's in here online, mask only, it, it's, it's pretty simple. God, I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and help me to follow you all the days of my life. If you prayed that, we want you to come down front afterwards and talk to me or to Travis. And for those of us who have already done that, help us. I know we had a little laugh about it with Mark and, and staying close, but help us to stay close to you so that we can continue to be used by you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love you with our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank our brother Jerry for sharing with us from God's word this morning? Well, let me just reiterate what uh, my friend Jerry said. If you prayed that prayer, if you've placed your faith in Jesus for the first time, uh, or maybe you've been wandering uh, and you're looking to come back to return to the Lord, we would love to speak with you. Uh, we'll be down here in the corner. We'll have prayer partners. We'd love to just encourage you in what it looks like to devote your life to the pursuit of Christ the Lord. With that being said, Baylife, have a great 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Go in peace, and we will see you next week.